0: Happy New Year, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 375 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Monday morning, January 3rd, 2022. Duke hasn't played in over a week, like a week and a half, but they're supposed... 12 days, 12 days, Sam. almost, (laughs) Almost two weeks. Oh my God. They are supposed to play tomorrow night, Tuesday night, at Cameron Indoor Stadium against Georgia Tech. And as of basically noon on Monday... That game is still on, so we are going to talk about that. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein, coming to you from not-snowy Boston. Donald Wine is here. He is in snowy Washington, D.C.
1: this morning. Hi, Donald. Hello, Sam. I am really excited because for the first time in like two years, we're getting some actual significant snow. Sam, as you know, D.C. likes to get a lot of threats of snow with not a lot of promise or a lot of actual uh uh, precipitation and this actually hit we i have about four inches on the ground here where i live parts of the city have gotten six to seven inches the federal government is closed for a good reason It, it feels great it feels great to look out and see finally winter because funny thing is two days ago it was like 70 degrees here now it's snowing and tonight we could get the lowest temperature dc has seen in seven years, I, as, as a native Midwesterner, this is my jam. This is what winter is. Let's have it.
2: Jason Evans is also here. Jason, are you jealous of what Donald is going through right now? Uh, the weather is a crazy, crazy thing. And uh, like Donald said, Atlanta has had the same kind of weirdness, not quite to the same extreme that Washington has on Saturday. I went out um, and took a walk with my family and my mother um, Uh, We were all in shorts and t-shirts. It was in the upper seventies and you know, like you're sweating on the walk. And today (laughs) it's about overnight. We had like gale force winds that brought down branches and knocked out power and stuff. And today it's, you know, close to freezing. You know, you gotta be worried about if you might hit an ice patch out there, how could this happen in 48 hours? It's insane.
0: (laughs) it sounds it sounds a lot like uh where I used to live in denver and and I did want to uh quickly speaking of the weather, oh wow, um, they've had a bad send, in denver. uh Yeah, send send uh, good feelings and vibes to uh friends and and acquaintances out in the Boulder area because they got hit by that uh by that terrible fire a few days ago. I don't think we've we've spoken since. Since that happened, but uh, it was the, pretty the devastating. Picture,
2: Sam, the the pictures, uh, as everybody knows, I work for CNN. The pictures I saw of like these families inside a Chuck E. Cheese as the oh, fire started ripping through the parking lot. Yeah, uh, that's some of the most terrifying stuff. I, I'm a parent. I can't even imagine how. And scary it really was. was
0: it, and it, and it it happened like in a neighborhood that. Jason like looks like where you live. You know, it, it yeah. happens in like it, like in a suburb. It wasn't like in a very remote place like you would normally assume. Okay, a- enough about the weather. We do have Duke basketball to talk about. I'm not even going to to do too much digression on the college football playoff because it wasn't that interesting. Uh, sorry, go dogs. Happened. Go dogs. Nothing happened. The 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 <laughs> underdog the underdog SEC champion Georgia Bulldogs trying to uh, avoid losing two straight to Alabama. Uh, next week. Anyway, uh, we're not, we're not going to do too much on that. We are going to talk about Duke basketball. So as I said, Duke as of now is supposed to play Georgia tech tomorrow night at home. Uh, It will be Duke's first game in almost two weeks before we get to the specific preview details on the Georgia tech game. Coach K uh, was part of the ACC coaches Monday press conference this morning Jason was tuned in for a little bit of it. So we have a bit of reaction to, to that. So Jason, why don't you give us the rundown on what coach K shared this morning? Because I think there were some interesting nuggets in there, particularly about the Duke team coming back from its, its little COVID shutdown and and its availability to practice this week.
2: Yeah. The, the, the big news that coach K revealed is that Duke um, expects to have players to play. In fact, Coach K says he thinks they're going to have the full roster for the Georgia Tech game. The key question, of course, is what will their conditioning be like? How much rust will Duke have? Because Coach K said COVID went through the entire team and through much of the coaching staff and much of the support staff. Look, we don't talk enough about those people, the folks behind the scenes who make things work for Duke basketball. COVID went through all of them, all of them. And Coach K said it has been really, really difficult. They have not practiced. They have not worked out very much at all over the past week. Now, he said, hopefully, depending on one more test, they're waiting for one more test to come back this morning. They probably already know. We don't know the results of it yet. But pending that one test, they think today, Monday, will be the first time they will have everyone back at practice since the Virginia Tech game on December 22nd. I want to repeat that. Like 12 days ago, was the last time Duke had a full practice. It's it's kind of amazing, um, but Coach K said, like I said, that he expects the full squad to be available for Georgia Tech, and he he was he freely admitted he said they're not going to be in good shape. He said, you know, conditioning has been a problem. It's been a challenge, and and he also warned against the dangers of like binge conditioning, trying to you know get guys into shape too quickly. This is something they're going to ramp up, you know, kind of slowly and take their time. Um, I expect you'll see Duke use a long bench against Georgia Tech, uh, you know, try not to uh, try not to get anybody uh, too winded. Um, I, I wonder how much, you know, the cramping problem that we've seen for Trevor Keels and Paulo Bancaro and Wendell Moore. I wonder if that's going to come back and, and be a problem for the team again. And then I, I, I did want to note um, that Coach K said he, even though COVID has run through everybody else, he has not gotten it. Um, and that he is being super careful as, as anyone his age must be. Um, he said that he and one other coach would be the only coaches at practice today and that he's going to try and keep his distance from the players and from other folks as much as he can. And he's also really, really frustrated that there's not a universal testing protocol in place for the ACC. He wants more uniformity. He wants fairness. And he wants to know that the team that Duke is playing is clean before Duke takes the floor against them. Um, he said that for a while. He said that even before Duke uh, ran into this this COVID problem that we've had. Um, Coach K has been been very big about uniformity of coaching testing. But the big news again: Duke will be back. Um, uh, you know, unless something crazy happens, we expect to bring a full squad, maybe maybe missing one guy for the Georgia Tech game tomorrow, and and hopefully they'll be practicing today. Jason,
1: when you look at the conditioning part of things is I'm great. I'm glad you brought that up because it's very important. A lot of people think that because these kids are 18, 19, 20 years old, that they'll be able to bounce back quickly. And I I think when it comes to the NBA, if you look at what the NBA has been doing over the last couple of weeks, when guys are going out to the COVID you'll see when guys come back, they don't necessarily play all the time. Sometimes you see a nice little stat line that says DNP conditioning, because they know that being out for, a few days, much less 10 or five or whatever is a lot to a, a basketball player because conditioning is very important. That's a huge part of the game. If you can't get up and down the floor for 40 minutes, you're not going to be able to play the game at a high level. And so guys are being held out as they ramp that conditioning back up because they're going from practicing a couple times a day or, or whatever to nothing. And that takes a toll on the body, even as much as, you know, any any other injury that you may have. So when it comes to this, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I do think that there will be a long bench tomorrow night should this game happen against Georgia Tech. I think there will be a long bench. You'll see guys quick rotations. You won't see guys out there for 10-minute stretches. You'll see them out for three, four-minute stretches. The TV timeouts are going to be super important. Maybe we see even Coach K use his timeouts a little bit more. Maybe he takes two in the first half instead of the usual one that he likes to take at the end of the first half because he can't carry over. Little things like that are going to affect this basketball game, uh, not necessarily in a negative, but it's things that people need to look out for. When you see, you know, Paul Ben Carroll or, or Wendell Moore have an extended break on the bench, it's not because of, foul, of anything else. It could necessarily be because these guys just aren't physically ready to go 35, 40 minutes. And we need to make sure that we don't tire them out now. We have a long rest of the season ahead of us. And this is going to be something that over the course of the next week, we will have to do it. Reminder, this is basically, like you said, 12 days since the last game. Before that, we had a week where we had four games in nine days. And before that, we had another two-week break. So these guys have had some significant time off that where guys aren't able to practice for whatever reason, whether it be exams or because of this COVID issue. So it's going to take a while for us to get in the shape. And because of that, you're going to see a lot of rest.
0: This might be one of the weirdest games that Duke fans see this year between the long pause related to COVID and the fact that the students aren't, are still not back. So the crowd in Cameron will be a little different. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen that that Duke will be limiting, will necessarily be limiting attendance because of the spike in COVID cases, but they are, um, they are limiting access to other things on campus. So um, th- th- this game may look more like last year, I think, than we would have liked
2: any game this year to look. Well, and Coach K talked a little bit about the crowds in Cameron, and he said very specifically he wants fans in attendance, but he wants them vaccinated. Um, uh, it, you know, it, it, he, he doesn't want to even begin to consider going back to exactly what we had last year. He was adamant uh, that he wants, he wants the Cameron experience to be there. But but he also said, he goes, you know, people come in there, they need to be vaccinated. So
1: that has been the policy this year. Everyone who, at least at this point, everyone who has had to enter Cameron has either need to be vaccinated and show proof of vaccination. I know, Sam, you had to do this when you went down there. I had to do that when I went down there. But you also, if you weren't vaccinated, you had to show a negative test within the last was 72 hours. You had to show that before you even got, you had to get a wristband basically, or uh, an electronic notification that said you were clear to enter Cameron. I think the issue that we're going to see with regards to the fan base is this. Students were supposed to be back on campus or at least campus dorms opened this morning, but they are online uh, and virtual until January 18th, which means they're actually actively telling students not to come back until then. When students come back, they then have to quarantine while they have a negative test. And every single student has to be has to receive their booster before they return to campus or receive their booster upon arrival on campus. So those are going to be slight changes from the student perspective. I wonder what that would mean over the next couple of weeks, because we do have a few home games, what that means for the upstairs bowl, so to speak. If they're going to be limiting capacity there or if they're going to be instituting things that says, hey, everyone has to be vaccinated or negative tests have to be within 24 hours as opposed to 72 hours. That will be something that I think people who like to or have tickets for the games over the next couple of weeks, myself included, that's what we should be keeping an eye on. But I do think that it won't be where there will be a full pause where fans will not be allowed. There will be fans. It's just a matter of what Duke does in the interim to try and make it so that they're not creating mixed messages by saying students don't come back, don't go to class. but Cameron be as full as possible the other
0: interesting thing here is as you were saying Donald to to consider sort of how the rotation may be different in this game uh, relative to games already and also hopefully the games in the future so before we transition to talking about the Georgia Tech game specifically and the the X's and O's of that uh, keep in mind the the overall uh, note here which is that whatever we see from this Duke team tomorrow night, hoping you know, again, hoping that the game actually goes off is probably not an indicator for what we're seeing in future games. It will be interesting to see kind of how some of these guys have recovered. But the other thing is that we won't, we don't know how COVID specifically affected any of the individual players on this Duke team. So we're, you know, if we, we don't know, right. I don't know if, if, if Paulo like actually tested positive and if so, was he actually sick? Is he still you know, recovering from that. It sounds like most of the players tested positive, but as we know right now, a lot of people are testing positive, showing no symptoms and just having to wait it out. So we don't know if it has affected some guys more than it has others.
2: Yeah. And um, Sam, it's a great point about not knowing the degree to which guys were affected. Uh, We also don't know, you know, depending on how sick players got, whether they were able to stay in shape at all. And, uh, you know, like you guys say, uh, we're, we're, we're playing a big guessing game. We will know Tuesday night, and it's gonna be really interesting to see. You may be surprised at the guys, you know, at, at some guy who you didn't expect to play very much suddenly plays 20, 30 minutes and, and guys who are mainstays, you know, if they've, if they, if they had to battle this for a few days, they may be limited to 15 minutes or so it's, uh, I am dying to see it. It's gonna be very interesting.
0: If you're on uh, home isolation because of COVID, you're probably not getting a ton of shots up.
1: Or, or a lot of running. <laughs> or a
0: lot of run. You could do push ups. You could do a lot of push ups and pull ups. And if you got a pull up bar in your room, you could be continuing to do pull ups.
1: Hey, if there's a silver lining to this, luckily for Jason, the uh, walk on stat category of the stats game is already over uh, because <laughs> we might see some points. Yeah, it, it,
0: it might be a big, depending on if, if Duke is able to, to maintain the the lead that they are supposed to have tomorrow night. This could be a big night for walk-ons, depending on on who's still actually sick. Okay, we need to actually talk about the game and talk about Georgia Tech as we would always do. Before we do that, we are going to take a quick break. Sorry, this is coming maybe a little earlier than usual, but you'll notice that this episode is not probably as long as, as most of our, our prior episodes because there just isn't as much to talk about. So stick around. We'll be right back to preview Georgia Tech. So as we said, Duke is playing host to Georgia Tech on Tuesday night in Cameron. It is the Blue Devils' first game in almost two weeks, and the Yellow Jackets are the guest for this one. So we are going to break down Georgia Tech and their slew of wing guys because it feels like Georgia Tech is is a team comprised almost entirely of swing men. Uh, We are going to start – I'm going to start by handing it off to Donald Wine – Donald, I'd like you to tell us just a, a bit about Georgia Tech and way, where they are at this point in the season. They are coming off a loss to Louisville over the weekend, so they have been sort of back from, from winter break uh, in a way that the Blue Devils have not.
1: Yeah, and, and they, as you mentioned, uh, they just got back from a extended pause themselves uh, over the last couple of weeks with a loss to Louisville. They're 0-2 in the ACC, 6-6 and overall. And really, when it comes to their wins, their best win is probably Georgia State, who was ranked 147th in Kempom, uh, which is not great. Um, but still, they're ranked 109th in Kempom. So they're not terrible, but they're not one of those teams that is going to be looked at as a quality win. Uh, so this is something where Duke really just has to uh, th- forget the COVID part of things. In a normal world, Duke would want to come out and really take it to Georgia tech early and not let up and and make this where this is the game that ends early. They don't score very well. They score 68.8 points per game. They're like tied for 287th in the nation in terms of points per game as a team. They don't rebound super well. They don't pass the ball very well, but they do shoot the three fairly well. And they have a couple of guys that can shoot threes. Uh, Jordan usher uh, is one of their guys that can put the ball on the floor and go to the hole. You have Daly and Coleman who, is 55.6% from three. So he can shoot the three fairly well. And Michael DeVore, who leads the team in points per game with 21, he also can light it up from three and they take a lot of threes. And I think Jason will talk about that a little bit more uh, when we talk about the metrics. I think the one thing that we pointed out, there is one guy on this team that gets considerable minutes. That's over six, eight. And his name is Rodney Howard. He is from my birthplace of Insolati, Michigan. And he may not even play tomorrow because uh, he was out due to injury against Louisville, which I believe was last night when they played. So uh, I'm not sure with, again, take the COVID part out of it and I know things will change from Duke's perspective, but this may have been a game already that we would have done uh, small ball and we would have seen a lot more of it because you know, they have a lot of wings, they have a lot of guards that play, but they don't have a lot of size. So one thing we do need to take advantage of is the boards. We haven't rebounded very well, but we're playing a team that really doesn't rebound very well. We have the size to do it, so hopefully Theo John, Mark Williams, Paula Blancaro, Wendell Moore can be guys that can clean up the glass and let us go out and transition quite quickly because I think that's going to be the key. If we can limit them to one possession and get out and running, Georgia Tech is going to have a really, really bad night, And, and they're not a team that shoots very well. They shoot a lot for volume, and they try to get points that way. But as I mentioned before, they don't like to score a lot of points. So uh, that's it for Georgia tech. From my perspective, there's a couple of guys, like I said, that we need to look out for and devore usher and Coleman. But Jason, I want to switch to you because I think advanced stats kind of tell the story
2: a little bit better about Georgia tech. By the way, Donald, I hate to do this, but his name is Michael DeVoe, not DeVore. <laughs> oh, De- excuse me. Excuse yes, me. Yes. Yes. He's only he's
0: only a senior and he's only been here, you know, the whole time. So it's fine. <laughs> hey,
1: I don't. I, last time we played him, it wasn't a factor. We were talking about other guys that were really good. But this guy is also very good. has been lighting it up this year.
2: Michael. Michael DeVoe is a heck of a player. He was there. He was the third best player in their team last year and is far and away the best player in their team this year. Um, but but let's get into the advanced stats, like you say. Um, uh, as you indicated, uh, Georgia Tech is 111th in Ken Palm. Um, a year ago, they were 37th, so they are way down from the team that won the ACC last year. Uh, Do you last think they year, they won the Moses ACC Wright? based on having a really really great offensive team, um, uh, mostly built around uh, the distribution and efficiency of point guard Jose Alvarado, um, and then uh, having Moses Wright. Uh, just dominating inside, blocking shots, grabbing rebounds. Moses Wright was, was a force to be reckoned with last season. Both those guys are gone, and this is a whole new team. Um, they are, uh, I, I mentioned they were a really good offensive team last year. They were 22nd in the country in offense last year. That's really great. They're 143rd in offense this year. Um, and it's kind of amazing that they're that bad at offensive efficiency when, as Donald mentioned, they're a good three-point shooting team. They hit 37.5% of their three-pointers. That's 33rd best in the country. The, the problem is they don't shoot many threes. Like They only take them when they're wide open. Um, in fact, they, their percentage of three-pointers attempted is 305th in the country. That's really, that's really low. This is a team that hits threes but does not like to take them. Um, and, and they are basically below average in all their other offensive efficiency stats. Um, they, list, they hit less than half their two-point shots. They only hit 68% of their free throws, which is not that good. They don't get to the free throw line very much. Uh, they turn the ball over a lot. They, they have turnovers on almost, almost 20% of their possessions. I mean, by comparison, Duke's one of the best teams in the country. We have turnovers on barely 13% of our possessions. That may not sound like a big difference, but 20 to 13% is a big deal uh, in terms of turnovers. And, and as Donald mentioned, they're not a good offensive rebounding team Um, they're better on defense than they are on offense. Uh, they're, they're decent at defensive rebounding, not great, but they're decent at it. Um, they do a good job of defending the three point line. They, they know how to keep teams from scoring from out there and they, and they get some steals. Um, they, they don't block many shots because they're very, very, very small. Uh, they, you know, it's funny if you, if you said to me, oh, you know, describe a team that is, uh, you know, super experienced has played a lot of college basketball together, but, but doesn't have a lot of really talented, you know, superior kind of players, that would be Georgia Tech. Like all their, all their stats sort of bear that out, that this is an experienced team, knows what it takes to win at college basketball, but doesn't really have the horses to get it done, other than Michael DeVoe, who, you know, as we said, he's averaging 21 points per game. Um, Jordan Usher is the other sort of prominent guy on the team um, uh, who played a lot last year. He can score, he can rebound. But, but they have little else beside those two guys. And, and as Donald mentioned, they've just got, they've got nothing on the interior. That Rodney Howard, who's the only thing who's even close to a post player, didn't play against Louisville. And even if he played, he is, he's just not the quality center for the ACC. In fact, get this. I mean, this is kind of crazy to me. But Jordan Usher, who was a wing for them last year uh, and is really built as a wing, if you look at, at who they throw out there on the floor, Jordan Usher is quite often playing center for them. <laughs> this guy is just, he's just not a center, but he plays a lot of center for them. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's 6'7", 220, and just, he's not built like a center. His game doesn't fit a center. And uh, the reason all that's significant for Duke is that A, I think we're going to have an opportunity to dominate them on the inside, but it's going to be very interesting to see if we do that by going small or by going with Mark Williams and Theo John. I think there's probably a really good case for Duke allowing Paulo Bancaro to be the biggest guy on the floor and letting him operate against Jordan Usher or Rodney Howard or one of these other guys for Georgia Tech who really doesn't have a prayer of, of stopping um, Paulo Bancaro when he gets into the post. And, and that him driving the ball into the post may be super efficient for Duke, depending on what kind of shape he's in as we harken back to the question about Duke's conditioning.
0: Yeah, the the size and, and rebounding quality difference between Duke and Georgia Tech I think allows for Duke potentially to as you were saying Jason either go with a with a small lineup the way that they did sort of featuring AJ Griffin uh, in the you know during some of those in-between games but also uh, potentially to to overwhelm and, and and have dominating performances from the big guys depending on exactly who's healthy and how the game plan is working. I wanted to just highlight to come back. Uh, Michael Devoe is is a star this year for Georgia Tech. He's and he's been a, a key contributor for them the last few years. And as I was saying at the top, uh, Georgia Tech and, and and as Jason was talking about, Georgia Tech is really a a, a team of of guards and wings and, and not so many big men. So Devoe is six seven or six five, I think. Um, and then a couple other guys, Jordan Usher, who you also mentioned, who plays a lot of center for them. He's just six seven. But he's grabbing seven rebounds a game, um, has made a huge leap this year in in his senior season. He and DeVoe are both seniors. Um, Usher's made made a huge leap this season. Uh, He's also shooting nearly 40% from three. As we said, they're not taking probably as many threes as they should. Um, Devoe and and Usher are both good scorers when they're when they're shooting the ball. It's just the Georgia Tech offense is just not quite as crisp and efficient as I think Josh Passner would like it to be. So Usher is a is a key part of the game plan for them. And then Khalid Moore is another uh, six seven guy who also grabs rebounds, um, gets about four or five of those a game. Um, doesn't doesn't shoot quite as well as those other guys do, but but is another player to look out for.
2: So he's yet another the, senior. I got another senior. That- all the guys you mentioned so, are seniors: Devoe, Usher, so, Moore. Yeah, they're all seniors.
0: It it it's experience, and it it's guys on the wing for Georgia Tech. But as we've noted, Duke is overwhelming here in in talent, um, not necessarily in experience. But there's a reason that both ESPN and Ken Palm thinks that there's only you know a five or six percent chance that Georgia Tech knocks off Duke. Tomorrow night, I think if that does happen, it's probably a result of Duke having been sidelined for so long and, and having guys not able to practice together the way that they would have liked the last few days. When you were looking at this game a week ago, maybe um, Duke was going to be back in the swing of things by now. They've had now two ACC games get postponed, potentially canceled because of COVID. So now Duke is coming off a much longer holiday break, I think, than, than they would have anticipated.
2: Yeah, you you mentioned um, Ken Palm and all the other metrics, saying that Duke's probably going to win this game. Uh, It's it's worth noting that Ken Palm predicts that Duke will win the game eighty to sixty three. You know, not a very high scoring game. Uh, Georgia Tech is uh, yet another. We're going to have this a lot in the ACC. One of these ACC teams that doesn't play with very fast pace. They they want to slow Duke down as much as they can. Um, The the big key, and I mentioned this a little bit, but I I just want to stress this again: Georgia Tech does a poor job of holding on to the ball. If if they have a lot of turnovers, um, especially live ball turnovers, and Georgia Tech gives up a lot of steals, uh, if Georgia Tech has a lot of steals to Duke, then Duke's going to get out and run with the ball, and that's a formula for Georgia Tech to be in real trouble because if Duke is scoring 80-plus points, Tech does not have the offense to keep up. There's just no way. Jason,
1: that's a great point because that also helps Duke in the form of, you know, the COVID pause and the rust and the conditioning. If you play defense well enough where you don't really have to play the offense as well, like you're only playing basically on one end of the court and you're just doing like quick transitions for easy buckets. That is going to let guys stay in the game longer because they're not exerting as much energy. Uh, and I know defense takes a lot of energy out of you, but if you're also not having to expend it on the offensive end, because you're getting easy, quick buckets, we're going to rack up a lot of points and you're going to have guys out there longer, which will help with the rotations. I think we've made it
0: sound the last couple of weeks about the ACC like there are a bunch of ACC teams that are probably on the wrong side of the bubble now, but could give themselves NCAA tournament resumes. I do not think Georgia Tech is one of those teams. They're as we said, they basically lost all of the uh, potentially important resume building games in the non conference part of their schedule, and the conference part of their schedule just does not have many opportunities for them. So as we will repeat for basically every ACC opponent uh, that that Duke faces this season, this game for Georgia tech is one of its only remaining opportunities to beat a surefire NCAA tournament team to build that resume. But they've got, you know, everyone they played in the, in the non-conference that is even, even potentially a bubble team. They lost to.
2: Yeah. And, and full credit to Georgia tech. They, They played a tough schedule. I mean, they had a stretch. In December, they played Wisconsin, North Carolina, LSU, and USC. That's four tournament teams right there. I, I mean, I think Wisconsin may be a little bit on the bubble. Big Ten, it's tough to say. They're probably in. But that those are four really good teams. But they lost all those games. You know, some of them were a little – Wisconsin was a little bit competitive. But, you know, they, they lost all those games, and they just have not beaten anyone who, who is even close to Duke's caliber. They, they haven't beaten anyone who's – you know, even the caliber of most of the teams in the ACC um, at six and six it r- it really feels like this is a year that Georgia Tech is on the bottom third of the ACC. They did put together a nice stretch against LSU. They were, they were up by like
0: 15 against LSU in the first half, but then the lead just like completely evaporated on them. LSU is, is very good this year. Um, not sure how much our, yeah. our listeners are, are following the SEC, but, but LSU is
2: really good. Yeah. The, SEC's yeah, really the good. SEC, the 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 SEC the is games. good and.
0: In- and and LSU is a is a strong squad there. So there's no. I don't Except think there's any Georgia. shame. <laughs> there you go. I don't think there's any. Georgia basketball is
1: not good. Uh,
0: I don't think there's any shame in losing to LSU. But uh, and 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 props to them for at least uh, making it a fun game for the first twenty five or so minutes. But guys, I think that is it on Georgia Tech. We will of course be back to review that game or hopefully fingers crossed again that we don't have to talk about duke having more games canceled uh, we wanted to thank you all again for the mailbag submissions we got a few more uh, after we we posted the episode so uh, yeah i appreciate those uh, Sam, there, in.
2: there are people out there who heard us answer the mailbag stuff and go oh wait i've got a question now <laughs>
0: look we'll, we'll do it look i mean we'll, we'll probably have to do it again uh sooner than later unfortunately but of course there's always the off season and i think we've got a few buried down there that that we need to address in the off season that don't have to come right now. So, so I'm sure that'll come back up. Of course, stay in touch. If you do have questions for us, we may be able to answer them sooner than later. DBR podcast at gmail.com. That's where you can always find us. I think we've been, I think we've been good about responding to all of them, even if we're not uh, talking about them explicitly on the show. So they've been, they've been a lot of fun. For Jason Evans and for Donald Wine, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 375 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Do whatever stupid superstitious thing you need to do to make sure that the Duke Georgia Tech game actually happens tomorrow night. And we will talk to you after it is over. Have fun. Stay safe. Enjoy yourselves. Go Duke. And we will talk to you again soon. Duke band. Take us on.